Monday, ladies and gentlemen. This is episode number 241 of Shut Up and Grind with your host, yours truly, Robert B. Foster. So if you are brand new to the show, we're all about overcoming obstacles, about defying the odds, and clearing the path of whatever is in your way from reaching your goals. So today we're going to be talking about how to retire and not die. So when I first got the pitch for this one, I was immediately intrigued because a good chunk of, of my audience is in that 65 plus age range. But I want to get deep into the story of how my guest got into this field and how he's helping people thrive in retirement and not having to be the greeter at Walmart. So if you're joining me on YouTube, please subscribe to the channel and share the video. If you're joining me on Facebook, please like and share. And without further ado, let's bring in Gary Serac. Serac? Serac? I, I didn't ask. I'm sorry. Correct. It's right. <laughs> I, do, I do that at least at least one show a week. I forget to ask how to pronounce the name. <laughs> My apologies. Actually, you were pretty close. It's really been butchered. You were like right on the money. <laughs> nice. So you're joining us from Canton, Ohio. You told, told me backstage. What, what's it like living there? Well, it's very peaceful for the most part. We have a pretty small community and it's it's industrial based, but we do have the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And nice. I think our quiet community is going to get not quite so quiet because they're building this Hall of Fame building. And it's really pretty spectacular what they're trying to do there. So we'll, we'll see what happens, Rob. Nice. Yeah, I'll have to get out there to check that out because I love me some football. And I'm so glad it's back on Sundays now. So glad. All right. Just jot down for my notes. All right. So first, tell me a little bit about yourself. So I've been, a, yeah, I, I'm a lifer in Canton. I grew up here. I really went to college at Miami University in Oxford, Ohio, and then came back here and bounced around a little bit job-wise trying to figure out life and eventually landed in the family business, which is financial services. Okay. And uh, my dad started in 1957 and then I'm I'm the second generation, third generation sits next to me, my nephew, which is pretty cool. So we've been around a long time. And I basically have been doing that. Uh, like to play some golf, like to do a lot of things, love to travel. Um, skinny, but I like to eat. So I, I managed to do that. So, you know, it's just kind of fun stuff. And and for the most part, everything was kind of traveling pretty good. And then, uh, then life gets in the way of life, Rob. Yeah, of course. Of course. So how how um, was your business affected by COVID? Well, we shut down, but we're not really shut down because money's important. So we were allowed to stay open. My staff, most of them just disappeared and work from home. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I went in every day because we have an office building and I was pretty much isolated. So we, we were fine. We actually we're very busy during COVID, which is uh, kind of ironic, but we were extremely busy. People were kind of worried about things and we were there to help calm them down. Okay. And so I, I imagine you're seeing an uptick now because so many people were financially devastated during COVID and probably looking for, for help in that area. Well, it was a lot of that, but what it really came down to is a whole lot of people decided they were going to retire and they would come to us because we had their 401k plans, their money, whatever I've been their advisor, my nephew, and so we were working with people, helping them figure out their retirement. The other side of the coin, which is really ironic, there's a whole lot of people that were home and said, man, this isn't for me. I don't think I can manage this. I don't want to retire. 
what do we do now? So we were mm-hmm. kind of in that place where you're kind of 50-50. It was a pretty interesting time, Rob. Still is, actually. Gotcha. All right, so what do you think is the number one thing you help people solve? Right now, it's, well, it's funny. I, I have a lot of people come to me for their retirement and say, okay, Gary, I'm 65. What do I do with my money? I said, okay, so let's talk about that. And and money's, it's mathematics, Rob. You know, yeah. if you have more than you spend, you're probably okay. If you have less than you spend, you're going to be hurting. I mean, I don't know how to say it any simpler than that, but it's true. Yeah. So, you know, retirement is, is math. So we, we do the math. But in the middle of that, I asked them a question. And my question is always the same question. Okay, tell me about your first day, your first week, your first month, and your first year of retirement. And then I shut up and listen. Mm-hmm. And what happens is they're like a deer in headlights and they have no idea. So here's somebody who's worked 65, you know, they're age 65, they've worked 40 years, they get to retirement and they have no clue what the rest of their life is going to look like and no idea how to put it together. And so what we've been doing is spending a tremendous amount of time helping them figure that problem out because it's a real problem. Okay. And so just, just take me through, like, how do you, how do you help people structure it? Well, we wrote a book called How to Retire and Not Die, The Three P's That Will Keep You Young. And that book is all about how you plan this out. The, the, pre-P, the three P's are purpose, passion, and a plan. And, and I tell people if you're retiring from something but not to something, you have a problem. And they don't uh, like it. it. So we spend a lot of time on that, Rob, retiring to something and, and what's important to them and what are they passionate about and how do they figure that out. So I really give them exercises and homework but I also talk to people younger because this is a real problem for everybody. And I ask them to create a wish list. And, and no one knows what a wish list is, but everybody knows what a bucket list is because of Morgan Nicholson. <laughs> so, yeah. no, no, no buckets. We're not dying here. Let's talk about wishing, what you wish you did when you were a kid. You know, what did you do? And I tell people, I used to sit looking out the window. 20 years ago when I was working and say, man, if I wasn't working, what would I be doing? I wish I was playing golf. I wish I was in Florida, whatever it was, you know, it'd be mm. six feet of snow or whatever the hell it was. But, but <laughs> the point was I wanted to write that list down. So I made real lists of all these things I wish I was doing. And I, I suggest that to people now. I say, listen, if you don't have that, create one because it'll help you down the road, especially when you get close to retirement. True, true. I mean, I definitely need help in the in the you know financial planning part, but I know exactly what I want to do in my, my retirement. It's like I want a summer home in the mountains in Vermont because I love Vermont, but in the summer. <laughs> I don't set foot up there in the winter. It's <laughs> like it's bad enough here in, in Rhode Island. It's way worse up there. Yeah. And I want to be down south in the mountains in North Carolina for the rest of the year. I love the mouth. So, Rob, here's the thing. You are amazingly unique. What you just said, if we poll 100 people, five people are going to give me the answer you gave, and 95 are going to say, uh, I don't know. And, and <laughs> So the, the money side of it's really interesting. I, I spend a lot of time on money because that's what I, I do. Yeah. And I talk to people a lot about money and, and how they spend their money and where their money's at and what it's doing, and that's fine. But mostly, I try and help people get control of where their assets are so they don't misspend them. And or they they get too risky. I mean, I I can't tell you how many people have come to me with pretty solid retirement plans, enough money to live, but they got greedy. 
And so instead of just being smart and conservative, they decided they're going to roll the dice. And the next thing you know, you know, they're they're looking for a job because they screwed this thing up. And they have to. All they had to do is be common sense worth as far as their money goes and, and not do things that are absurd. But boy, do I see a lot of that out there. So that's the only thing I can say. People have a tendency to misuse their money if they're not careful. And unfortunately, yes. there's a lot of really bad advice out there in the world. So, yeah, like I was telling, I was talking with with my with my daughter because it's it's the same thing in the fitness world. You know, like all these gadgets and overnight pills and you know all these instantly drop twenty pound things come out there because it's just one big money grab. You know, and so like trying to sift through all the noise and get to people like yourself. And I actually did an episode, I think it was two episodes ago, I had another financial expert on. And, you know, and, and finding the people who are really genuinely passionate about helping people and not people just basically ethically robbing people. Well, I, I say this and I say this jokingly, but very sincerely when I'm with clients. I say, you know, I'm skinny, but I eat all my meals. And, and in English, what that means to me is, I'd, I'd love to help you. I don't need to help you. I'm fine financially. I don't have to worry. I could have quit years ago if that's yeah. what I do. But that's not what I'm about. That's not who I am. And I said, therefore, um, I have a vested interest in helping you. And that's fine. And that seems to work out really well. And most people grasp where I'm coming from and that it isn't a money grab. And that I really am sincerely interested in making sure they have a great life. I'll tell you a cool story, Rob. I had... A couple come in about a month ago. They were referred to me by another client of mine, and she had just retired from the hospital. She was a hospice nurse, super nice lady, and her husband was working in a factory. He's a welder, and we're having a conversation, and he's 64, 65, and I turned to him, or something like that, 63 maybe, and I said, when are you retiring? He said, oh, I would retire right now if I knew how. He said, but I just don't feel like I have the ability to do that, and I said, well, let's talk about you a little bit. So my nephew, Jeff, who works with me, we, we started asking him questions. By the time we were done, Rob, we had him to the point where he had enough money that he could make as much money retired as he was working. Wow. And he looked at me and he said, you got to be kidding me. And then something happened that I didn't. I, he started crying. And his wife said, you have no idea how this is affecting us in, in such a good way. And it was really an emotional thing. And really all we did, I felt, was our job. And we explained how money worked and that this guy was okay with Social Security, everything else he had done. 401k was fine. And they had very few bills. And so it was math, but gosh, it was powerful. Yeah, I was on I was on a different mastermind call a couple of days ago. And one of the, the featured speakers was talking about the tax code and having, having a business and you know using the the tax code to your advantage because you know like we're constantly hearing about people not paying their fair share in taxes but like but understanding how the tax code is worded it can really be to your your advantage so like do do you work with any of that well i have a my cfo is a cpa so he's in the office he's like amazing resource rob i I'm always going over to Chris and saying, hey, Chris, have you seen this? How do you handle this? He's great. And and the thing about Chris that I like so much, he's been with me 15 plus years, is that he researches everything. He will not give you an opinion if he hasn't done three times the research the normal person would do. So, yes, we, we do take advantage of that. And he's very good at looking for loopholes and things that work. And, 
you know, he doesn't do anything risky, but he does everything that's, that works. And so he's so anal. I love it. You know, it really works in my behavior and my best interest in my clients. All right. So what was your motivation for writing your book and why did you pick that title? Well, I, the motivation for writing a book is a very long time ago. Um, my father was in this business. I joined the business and he took me to a lunch one time. We're going to go meet this couple that he was friendly with since high school. And so Bruno and Betty. So we get on to Bruno and Betty. We're going to have lunch with them at this club. Well, we get on to this south end of Canton. We pull into this driveway. It looks like a house. And my dad, I said, to my, I said, Dad, this is a house. He said, no, this is Bruno's club. And I said, okay. We walk in. And it was a, a house that it had been remodeled. And we walk into the dining room. And Bruno and Betty were Italian. And there was a feast. I mean, for four of us, it was an absurd amount of food. But Bruno had just sold his plant. He had manufactured something that all three auto dealers were using. And then he sold it for a boatload of money. And he was one of my dad's really close friends. So we go to this house. We do this thing. I asked my dad, where, I said, how many members are there in Bruno's club? He said, Bruno. I said, oh, okay. So this was <laughs> Bruno's thing. It was pretty interesting. And we're having this amazing lunch, and my dad's asking Bruno questions. Bruno got like $10 million back in the 80s. It was a lot of money. <clears throat> Still a lot of money, obviously, but it was a really a lot more money in the 80s. Anyhow, so we're sitting there talking, and I'm listening, and, and my dad asked Bruno what he's going to do. And he said, well, Stan, I'm going to I'm gonna go to Italy. My wife and I, Betty, we're going to go to Italy for a month. And my dad said, that's great. Wonderful vacation. What are you going to do after that? He said, well... Stan, I got $10 million. I'll figure it out. And that was his answer. And my dad said, that's not a good answer. And Betty, who my dad had known forever, looked at my dad and looked at Bruno and said, I agree with Stan. I think you need to figure this out. And he said, well, I'll do this and I'll do that. And Betty said, all you do is work seven days a week. I don't figure out how you're going to all of a sudden make a change here. This is concerning to me. Anyway, long story short, we pull out of the driveway and we're heading back. And I all I could talk about was how amazing the Italian food was because you know, I didn't know anything, Rob. I was new. But yeah. the food was incredible. Anyway, I don't think I've ever had a better Italian meal, and I love that food. Um, <laughs> it was one of those things where I looked at my dad, and he was very unhappy. And I said, Dad, why are you unhappy? And he said, there's a problem. And I said, what's the problem? He said, well, Bruno's, Bruno's got a problem. I said, Dad, Bruno's got $10 million. He said, Gary, $10 million doesn't figure out what you're going to do with the rest of your life. He's not paying attention. I don't like this. He said, I'm going to tell you, he said, this isn't going to go well. Well, to fasten the story a bit, two years later, we were at Bruno's funeral. Oh, no. Yeah. So that really was the first time anything like this had ever happened to me. Uh, Bruno never could figure out what to do, and he pretty much got sick and died. He was bored to death, literally. So mm -hmm. that that seed was planted, God, 40 years ago. Anyhow, I as I got up to the state I'm in now in my business, I'm looking at all these people, and I'm seeing the same stuff. And I said, okay, this is bad news. I'm fixing it. So my son, Max, who lives in the mountains of Colorado, and I wrote this book during the pandemic. And it's basically how to retire and not die, uh, which is a, kind of a strong statement. And the three Ps that will keep you young. Also a strong statement. So what are the three Ps? Purpose, passion, and a plan. And the not dying part is because I got sick of going to nursing homes and funerals, Rob. That's yes. how that So. Okay. All right. So let's talk about the three P's, right? So purpose, passion, and plan. So obviously we don't want to give away 
all the secrets of, of the book. But just how did you pick those three? Well, I, I really came across the, the purpose part. And, and we're, I don't mind giving stuff away, believe me. I've given a lot okay. away. So I'm fine with that. I, I'm not going to hold anything back. Purpose is what you, what you do for other people. You know, what, what makes you feel good, that's what you do for other people. Passion's what you do for yourself. And the plan is you got to have a plan. When, when all of a sudden you've been working five days a week and you're off two, it's easy. Okay, two days I can go play golf, I can go to the grocery store, whatever it is you do. You know, all of a sudden you have seven days off. Man, that's a lot of time. And how do you fill it? Well, you better have a plan. So what I try and have my clients do is literally figure out what that five days is going to look like. And I said, okay, well, let's plan out your five days. And they look at me and say, I don't have one day planned. I said, well, that's not good. Let's, let's shoot for five. So what we'll do is we'll sit down and talk a little bit, and I'll get them to start thinking about what a real day would look like when they weren't working. And I said, okay, tell me about your first week. So then they start thinking and say, oh, yeah, we, we don't have this worked out at all. So that's really what I try, and I help them with that. And the purpose and the passion are big because purpose, obviously, I love people that volunteer, you know, part-time work is great. There's a lot of things you can do. But the purpose thing is a big deal because if you don't know what that is and you can't figure it out, you have a little bit of a problem. Passion, same ball game. If you don't know what you're passionate about and you haven't really figured that out, we really give you exercises and a way to figure those things out because they're so critical to your retirement. Yeah, see, I, I was asking that because I wanted to see, I wanted to hear your answer before I give my take on it, because I see it a lot in just everyday life. Like people just do stuff, you know, they just do stuff just blindly. People come in, into the gym all the time and they're like, oh, I don't need a trainer. I'm good. I was all right. Well, what, what are you going to do? Oh, well, you know, I do, uh, uh, it's like, how are you going to progress? How are you going to regress? It's like, are you working your anaerobic and your aerobic systems? And there's like deer in headlights. It's, you know, it's like, let me guide you. It's like, you need a plan. And then going into retirement, going back to purpose, it's, it's about doing something more. It's like, we, like society tells us when you retire, you're supposed to be on the beach with a peanut, with a pina colada. And then most people don't, they don't want that. You know, it's like, they don't want that. And, and I think that's what I get by the name of, of the title, how to retire and not die, because people get that in, into their brain and then they end up losing themselves. You know, the things that they're actually passionate about. Cause like when I retire from, from like doing the gym work, I'm probably still going to do online work. And, uh, and still do speaking engagements and I'm still going to host my podcast and I'm going to speak on other people's podcasts. Like, like I know all that already. Cause I'm not good at sitting still. Like anyone who knows me, look, like even now I'm fidgeting, I'm fidgeting with, with, with my pen. It's like, I just cannot sit still. So <clears throat> I, I, I love that part of, of the three P's cause that can definitely help people stay focused beyond retiring from, you know, corporate America. Oh, absolutely. And, and Rob, it's so interesting because I was thinking about the gym when you were talking about the gym. I think, yeah, that would be me. I would have to have a personal <laughs> trainer. Actually, we're looking at one right now because I've gotten out of the habit of it. It's bad. And I have a gym right across the street from me almost. And I thought, I have got to get my rear end off of this chair and over there and go find somebody that will work with me because I need that person. I need you to motivate me to, to spur me on because I can get pretty damn lazy. That's all I can say. Mm -hmm. 
So, yeah. it, and you got to have a coach. You know, I, I look at personal trainers as coaches and, yes. and I want them to coach and guide me through what I'm doing. And, and that's really what I try and do through the book. I, I try and people, I'm trying to bring people a coaching experience through that book and trying to really help them figure out the rest of their life, whether it's working part-time, mentoring people, um, you know, whatever it is, I, I don't care being a volunteer. I, I met a guy, I was out in Colorado at the garden of the gods, uh, visiting our son just last week And garden of the gods is an amazing place in Colorado Springs. I knew nothing about it. Uh, and we were having dinner with some friends one night and we we're talking about going to Colorado. I said, Oh my God, you have to go to the garden of the gods. I looked it up. I said, Linda, we're going to the garden of the gods. So we go <clears throat> and it is an amazing place, but the guide was a 15 year veteran. He had been a school teacher in Minnesota, an administrator, a principal, a superintendent, all these things. And he's down in, in Colorado Springs doing this. And I said, well, how did this happen? He said, well, our boys moved here. And so my wife and I quit our jobs, retired and came down here. And he said, for the last 15 years, I've been volunteering. He's volunteered. He said he's taken 40, uh, what do you say, 4,000 people on a tour so far in his career. And he said, you know, it's the best thing I've ever done. He said, I meet so many interesting people. He said, it's been fantastic. And he was so good at it. So we just chatted for about 15, 20 minutes. And he said, yeah, I got another group. I'll see you later. Okay. <laughs> There's a gentleman, he's 81 years old. So like with my, my fitness clients, a bunch of us do Spartan races, like Tough Mudders and, and all of them. And this, there's this gentleman, we saw him at a couple, couple different races. Yeah, he's 81 and he does 50 races a year. Oh my you know, God. 50, you know, it's, it's like, can he do all the obstacles? No, but he's still out there. He's climbing up and down the mountain and he's carrying sandbags and buckets and everything. And he's like, this is, this is what keeps me, keeps me young and feeling young, you know? And so again, going back to the whole pur purpose thing, like you see it in almost every, every race. I was at a track meet a couple months ago. And again, there was a, a man out there, 91 years old doing the, doing the hundred meters. You know, I was like, I hope that's me. <laughs> yeah. Well, those are the people that I, I, in fact, it's so interesting. One of the concepts in the book are mentors. And so what I realized in my life is I needed mentors, Rob, and you're describing that 91 year old, that 81 year old, those would be mentors. I mean, to me, I look at those people and say, whoa, how did you do this? And, you know, who yes. are you and what is driving you? Those are the people that attracted my attention throughout my career and also my life. And I would always look for people that I thought were just, you know, really unique. And then I would want to know what made them unique. I was really curious, got me in a lot of trouble, by the way, Rob, that curiosity <laughs> didn't work so well in school, but uh, it was okay. Um, yeah. Anyhow, the, the fun thing though, is I would come across these great people, like those two people you described, and I would really want to get inside their head and find out what drove them and how they're doing it. And, and how they could do this at their age and why are they so dedicated that stuff i think is fantastic yeah i i agree like i always tell tell people to find find whoever is doing or has what you want and find out how they did it like i was get, going back to, to spartan so i have one kidney so doing endurance events i have to be very mindful of my electrolyte balance to make sure i'm taking in enough water and so on and so forth and so I went to do a 30 mile ultra and my doctor didn't want me to do it. Like he was like, you know, almost teary eyed trying to tell me not to do it. And I was like, 
with all due respect, Doc, I'm sure there's somebody out there with one kidney that's done it. I said, and, and I'm going to find that person. So I'll just put it out online. And a couple people got back to me and like, yeah, I have one kidney. I've done it. And I was like, all right, what's your best practices for staying hydrated, for balancing the electrolytes, for your training? And we just swapped ideas and I put it into practice and completed it. You know, it's like people are so quick to just let themselves get defeated because of somebody else's doubt. Totally. Well, and, and it's funny, retirement mentors, I mentioned those in the book. I talk about retirement mentors. Look for someone who's successfully retired. Go find them and ask them how they did it. And, and yep. maybe, the, you know, it might cost you lunch, coffee, dinner. I don't care what it is. I said, have a conversation. And because there's a, a secret to this that they know that you need to know. And that's really important. Your idea of going online, I think any of those things are great. Meantime, I'm really impressed that you did that. Uh, yeah, I have a, I'm visually disabled. So I, I have glaucoma and I've had it for God knows almost 50 years and 45 years, I guess. And it really got to me. I lost the vision of my left eye completely. My right eye is severely damaged and I can't really do computer stuff anymore. It's hard to read, but I wrote a book and the reason I, and the way I wrote the book is I, I got, I thought about it and I said, I want to write this book. So I called my son, who's a freelance writer, and said, you want to do a family project? And he said, yeah, what do you have in mind? And I told him, and he said, oh, we'll do that. We did 23 hours of interviews on the phone. He's in Colorado. I'm in Canton. And the book was the problem. Uh, when we were done, we basically had our book. Uh, awesome. A lot of work on his part. But, but you overcome obstacles. You overcame one. And I mean, which I'm really impressed with. I just look at, hell, I don't even like driving that far, let alone running. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so, but reality is you just try and look for ways to get around. You have two choices. You know, one is good and one is not so good. And I keep trying to favor the good ones and say, okay, if I can't do that normally, how do I get around it and how can I do it? So, Yes, yes. Like this whole show was started because of a knee injury I actually sustained two years prior to the kidney donation. And the doctors told me I wasn't going to run or jump again. And, and I was just, just like, you don't get to decide that. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, it's your job to put my knee back together. I said, I'll take it from there. <laughs> and I, I just really attacked, attacked my, my rehab and just made it happen. But like, you know, there's so many people out there that just don't have that mindset and they need people like me, like you and the other 240 guests I've had on this show that, or just tired of, I don't want to say playing small, but like at some point, you know, we we play small and then you just have to realize I can leave a much bigger impact, you know, if I just step into the things that I'm really the best at. And for me, it's like speaking, inspiring people and just getting people to just get out of their own way. You know, it's like, stop doubting yourself and let's just do this. Like I have a bunch of clients now in the 60 plus bracket and they're always coming in saying i'm too old i used to do this i used to do that i'm like all right stop stop right there I said stop right there i said the muscles work the same when you're 60 or when you're 30. it's like yeah metabolism may slow down some but that's because you stop moving <laughs> it's like you told me you haven't worked out in 15 years that's why your metabolism slowed down not because of your age i was like so if you want it back these are the steps you know, and so with you, when people come to you in your consultations, 
It was like, how do you help them see the vision of what it is that they want? Well, first of all, I got to make sure they have a vision. And so many people don't, you know, some people are like the ones on the beach. You know, I'm going to drink pina coladas every day on the beach. I said, yeah, that doesn't work. And I I had a very successful doctor who retired, mostly because he had to, but he didn't have much of a life. And unfortunately, he ended up spending all of his time after retirement, which didn't last that long, um, playing cards and drinking with a bunch of buddies. And and Mm -hmm. all he ended up doing was pretty much that was his life. And I looked and I said, that's what you do now. He said, yeah. And he said, I go there about four times a week. And I'm thinking that is so not good. You cannot sit around, drink and play cards and have a good life. So I I think that's a real problem. So having the vision that you mentioned, I think is critical. And that's where the passion part comes in. I think you look for what people are really passionate about. And that's where the vision is hidden. And to say, okay, if you're passionate about this, what do you want for you? What, What is it that you really get happy about that just makes you, where's your happy place? What is your happy thing? And and if I can get them to think through that a little bit, it's shocking what it comes back to. Sometimes it's hobbies. I I had a guy that, that started carving trains and, and he, he liked trains and he was good with wood. So he would literally build the cars and the, I, it was amazing what he could do with a knife and not cut himself. I was always impressed. I have another guy that started a wood shop and he builds uh, cutting boards and it's really a fascinating thing. They're really cool. He gave me one as a present. So it's really uh, kind of unique what people try and do. I had one, I have one good story. This guy decided he was going to play the drums. So he went out and bought a drum set and he put it in the basement. Um, Unfortunately, he neglected to tell his wife. So one afternoon he's down there and, you know, right after he gets him, he starts beating under. She didn't know what was going on. She's running downstairs. She thought someone dropped, died, whatever. She didn't know what the hell it was. <laughs> and, and I guess it didn't go well. So anyway, he, uh, he had been taking some lessons and it wasn't going well. They made an agreement that he was not allowed to play unless she was out of the house. I thought that was reasonable. And he played a lot and practiced a lot. And finally, he did a lesson with one of his teachers that he was working with. And a guy finally said, listen, no offense to you, he said, but you are never going to be any good at this. You just don't have the skill set. And the guy said, really? And he said, yeah. He said, this is not an instrument you should be playing. And he said, quite frankly, I think I could give you lessons every day and you're not going to be any good because you just don't have the coordination to make this work. And he said, well, no. But I'm just telling you that, that you're just going to be frustrated. And he said, what do I do? So he donated the drum set to a local high school, which made his mm-hmm. wife very happy. And now I think he's trying to play the flute. But anyway, it's like, you know, whatever it is, <laughs> it's one of those things where you, you got to figure out what really makes you happy. I, I have guys that play golf every day and I, I can't do that. I mean, even when I could see, I, I couldn't play every day. And now I certainly don't want to play every day. I, I play a couple times a week and that's plenty. But how do you play seven days a week or five days a week? I don't know. But boy, are they passionate. And they're proud. When the year's over, they show me how many rounds they've played. It's like a badge of honor. Mm. Yeah, see, that's where it goes back to personal preference. See, me, I'm an athlete. I play a lot of different sports. So it's like I could do volleyball one day, softball the next, basketball the next, track and field the next. You know, do an obstacle race on the weekend. And like, I could do that every day and not get bored. Because that's like, I love competition. But to do the same sport every single day, I mean, I, I know to each their own, but like, I wouldn't want to play basketball every single day. <laughs> you know, it kind of takes the fun out of it for me. Me too. You know, it's interesting also. Um, 
I like, I really like basketball and golf. Those are my two favorite things to do, walking. We do a ton of walking. So one of my exercises, we get off my rear end and we'll go for a walk, my wife and I. And when we're in Colorado, it's beautiful walking in, in such pretty country. But in Canton, Ohio, it's not bad either. So you find nice places to walk and you go do that. What I was thinking in terms, though, is that those are the things that really get me excited and, and make me happy. I do enjoy golf, not quite as much as now because I don't see very well and I can't really find a ball. So I got to have fun. I hit it and I say, where to go? And they tell me. <laughs> but in, in, at the end of round, sometimes I'll have people look at me and says, I just got beat by a blind guy. And I said, well, that's OK. Give me your money. We're good. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's an interesting place to be. Are you a pickleball person yet? Have you gone to that? I, I haven't yet. So I'm, I'm in a league. It's called the Super Fun Activities Club. And they have a pickleball league. And, and I look at it and I'm intrigued. But I haven't tried it yet, though. A friend of mine actually have a couple connections to pickleball. One of my best friends is a doctor, moved to Carolina, and he started playing pickleball. He had never played. And he loves it. He plays four times a week. And he's made more good friends there. The other thing interesting, I'm on a podcast, which you should probably talk to this guy. Um, it's called uh, I Used to Be Somebody, and it's on Pickleball Media. And the friend of mine who runs it, his name's Carl, and Carl wrote a brand new book called Pickleball for Dummies. He and his wife and two pickleball coaches, and it's in the dummy series. So he's got this whole Pickleball for Dummies book coming out October 1. But we've had some good conversations on his show about pickleball and, and what it's meant to him and how much fun it is and, and the coaches. And it's, it's just a whole other world. And I find so many people that are retiring that I know are playing pickleball. It's just kind of off. I've never seen anything quite like it. Yeah, I love it. All right. So we're coming towards the end here. So let people know where, where they can get your book. How can they connect with you? And we'll ask you for some final words. Sure. So we're, we're on Amazon, of course, because you have to be, and then all the other ones. But we have GarySurak.com, and it's uh, S-I-R-A-K is the last name, .com. And you can go right to my website and get uh, books there. And if you do, I'll sign them. Um, also, if you have any questions or any thoughts about this, I'm really open. Uh, I'm very approachable about this subject because I'm very passionate about it. Mm -hmm. You know, I just really... I, I figured a long time ago, I'm not going to get rich selling books, but I really can help a lot of people, much like we talked about earlier in the show. Yes. What kind of an impact can you have on people, Rob? This is my way to impact a whole bunch of people I'll never meet. But that's pretty cool. Yeah, like people, people I mean, I say that about about this podcast it, itself, you know, like we're heard in 44 different countries. And it's like I had someone from India email me saying that they they love my show, and I was like, "From India, wow!" You know, <laughs> and so it's it's great, you know, bringing guests on like you, and you know, everyone. I think the first eight episodes I did it was just me because I didn't know what what the hell I was doing. But then once I started getting guests on, it's like everyone I meet has been amazing. Like there's not one guest that that I've had on where I've been like, I can't wait for this hour to end or this half hour to end, you know? So like everyone brings a unique perspective. And like I said, you're not the first financial expert I've had on, but you still approached it with, with your own, your own passion and, you know, your own take on it. So like I've had multiple fitness professionals on and we've tackled fitness from so many different angles. And so just the point of all that is having different people on, it's like, it just increases your, your perspective about everything. And I always encourage the audience to constantly seek 
knowledge constantly. Yeah, just because I'm a certified trainer doesn't mean I don't ask other trainers for advice. You know, it's like I don't claim to know everything about everything. And, you know, I have other fitness professionals on my show and people are like, why are you why are you putting on the competition? I'm like, they're not competition. Like it's called collaboration. Well, if the audience can get something from this person that maybe I haven't given to them, it's a win, you know, and that's the purpose of doing this show is to get messages like yours out there, you know, how to retire and not completely lose yourself. Like, I think it's very, very important. So thank you for coming on and thank you for sharing that. And I'll give you the final message. Well, the one thing I'll uh, tell you, I, the cover of my book is a guy that's on top of a mountain and he's, he's basically on top of this mountain celebrating, but now he's about to run, and this is perfect for your fitness, a marathon that he doesn't even know he's about to run. So, you know, you get to the top and think, man, this is cool. I'm going to kick back and have a cool one and just relax in my lounge chair by the pool. Well, guess what? You have 26 more years to live that's a marathon. So what are you going to do in your marathon race? How are you going to prepare for that? How are you going to run it? What's it going to look like? So that's my message. Just think about retirement as a marathon in a good way. How do you want to run your marathon? So that's my my final thought. You got go-go years, and then you have slow-go years, and then you have no-go years. But your (laughs) 91-year-old is a no-go guy, and he's going. So I'm impressed, Rob. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> I love it. All right. Well, again, thank you very much. Um, I'm going to be in touch with either you or your publicist because I, I have other other podcast friends that I'll connect you with that I know you'll be a good fit on their show. Thank you. Right. And if you're in Canton, I'd be hiring you right now. because <laughs> hey, Oh, absolutely. Thank you. thank you. You as well. Take care. All right. Take care. You've been listening to Shut Up and Grind. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. Robert has over 20 years experience pouring his knowledge and expertise at many events in the service and fitness industry, as well as secondary schools and universities. He has a true passion for helping others break through the barriers that are holding them back. To book Robert B. Foster to speak or to reach out, go to robertbfoster.com. Until next time, shut up and grind.